The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 18. This is going to be the continuation of a study that I began, a series I began a couple of Wednesday evenings ago. And um, I wasn't expecting, I was expecting to start that study today, but Pastor had some medical issues and needed to stay home and rest. And so we, we taught the first part of this series on that Wednesday evening. Perhaps some of you were not here that evening, so I'll try to recap a little bit. But we're going to speak this morning about the Great Commission commission that we were given by Christ to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So let's, let's start out with a word of prayer here this morning as we get ready to teach the word of God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that is in your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that you've given us that we might know your word and that he might teach us your word. So we ask this morning the Holy Spirit would be the teacher of the word of God and that we would leave this place edified and admonished to live our lives more to your glory and honor, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our work of evangelism today, the work that we do today in evangelism, commenced on the occasion of the issuance of God's commission to his church and subsequently his commission to his people as individuals. Let's look at Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 18, if you would. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 16, Matthew 28. I'm sitting at Matthew 18. Matthew 28 and verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And here we see the occasion upon which Jesus is about to depart the earth, and he leaves a charge to his church. He leaves a charge to his people that they would be witnesses unto him. It's called in, in our common vernacular the Great Commission. This commission given by Christ to his disciples was the initiative that led to the, pre- to the spreading of the local church we see today. So we are sitting here today, you and I, uh, and it all began on this day when Jesus gave instruction to his people that they were to go forth into all the cities and all of the areas and around them and preach the gospel. Um, Christ, by this commission, entrusted his disciples with the furtherance and continuation and continuance of the gospel message. So uh, it's very important that we, we assimilate this information, that we understand this, that the purpose of the church is not a social function. We're not here today to organize activities for our children, or we're not here today to emphasize uh, activities for us as adults, to entertain us, or, or for any other purpose. We're here The church is founded and was formed for the purpose of the furtherance of the gospel message. That's why why the church was created. You must understand that. No other reason. And and that's what he did. He entrusted you and me, he entrusted his disciples with the furtherance and continuance of the gospel message. He authorized us. He empowered us to perform this work. 
This is something you and I could not do uh, if, if our lives depended on it. But he has empowered us. He has enabled us to do this work. So this is what we must do. Now, as I mentioned when we last met to discuss this subject, the great depth and purpose of this commission is more accurately understood when we break it down into its elements. I'm afraid that today there's a lot of Christians who know about the Great Commission and read it, and they say, yeah, that's wonderful and great, but they don't really understand it, and they don't really even care about it. It's not evident in our lives every day. Our daily lives are absent of the Great Commission that was given to us. The importance of it and the depth of it and the gravity of it do not seem to influence us today as God's people. We are to understand and define this this commission. Uh, As I mentioned last time we met on a Wednesday evening, uh, in the military, when you're given a commission, you have to break it down and understand. You have to understand its mission objective. Why am I here? In the military, they give you a commission to do something. What's the purpose? What's the objective of this mission? Is it to occupy? Is it to destroy? Is it to, to assist? What is the mission? You don't want to send armed soldiers in with guns blazing if you're if you're if you're supposed to be a, a helping force, go help in a in a, after a, a, a tidal wave or an earthquake. You don't want to send in armed soldiers looking to gun down everybody in sight, do you? No, it's a different mission objective, and we must understand. Well, now, what is the mission objective of the Great Commission? Well, it's to do what? It's to spread the the gospel. That's the purpose. That's the mission objective. Is to spread the gospel. Uh, you have to understand in the military. You have to understand the authorities. Backing this this commission, who's who's enabling you, who's empowering you to do this, and and the consequences that that are going to come from this mission, and we need to understand that too concerning the the great commission. We're empowered by Christ, as we discussed uh, last week, and 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 we must do these things. And there's there's consequences if we do them. There's consequences if we don't. We're going to discuss those effects today. And then we thirdly we we try to discover who falls under this commission. Who does this commission involve uh, and the resulting effect it will have on them? So last time we met, we, we discussed, number one, the expectations within the commission. And, and we stated that God never does anything without purpose. And he never does anything without expectations. So he has expectations on this great commission as well. He expects, I said he expects that we will go. We can't, we can't go if we don't go. And so we have to go. And to go means to leave, physically leave our place and go there where, to where the, the, the lost people are. We go into the community. We, we, we go out into the highways and the hedges, the Bible says, and compel them to come in. God expects that we will go. Secondly, I said he expects that we will preach. When we go, what are we going to go do? We're going to go preach. And that's what he expects us to do, to preach the gospel. And to tell people of Jesus and his power to save. And that's what we go for. And then thirdly, he expects that we will disciple those that believe. Once people trust the Lord and get saved and and are brought into the the church family, God wants us to to disciple them. That involves teaching them, which is what we're doing today. That involves mentoring them. But how can you mentor someone if your life is such an example that there's nothing to follow? So we have the responsibility. God expects us to live holy, righteous lives in his sight that we might be a mentor, that we might be an example to those around us. To disciple means to to educate and teach them and enable them to go. You see, it's, 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 a, it's a cycling. And next week I'm going to discuss the augmentation of the commission and we're going to talk more about, about the furtherance and the growth of the church. 
and, and through the commission, through the Great Commission. But then secondly, last week we talked about the empowerment. Who is empowering the commission? Well, in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus stated, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And Jesus has this authority. He has the authority to empower us to go. Why? First of all, because of his sovereignty as our God. He is God. I said last, last time we met, I said that there's a, there's a severe misunderstanding of the Trinity. And, the, and most people view Jesus as a total separate entity, apart from God. But he's not. He is God. And we must remember that Jesus is God. And as God, he has all authority and all power. And he has enabled us. He has empowered us through his commission to be his witnesses. We couldn't do it otherwise. But through his power, we can. And secondly, I said he has authority because of his substitute. His substitute is our Savior. Jesus purchased you. He purchased me. I belong to him. He owns me. I don't have a right to tell him what I'm going to do. I don't have a right to do what I want to do. I have the responsibility to do what he tells me to do. So this is what we discussed last week. So thus far, we've seen the expectations within the commission. We've seen the empowerment behind the commission. Now this morning, I'd like to look at the effectualness of the commission. The effectualness of the commission. Now, by this, I am referring to the unalterable and unstoppable effects which God set in motion by his issuance of this commission or command to his people. Did you hear what I said? I said the unalterable and unstoppable effects. Once the effect of God's people going into all the world and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and making disciples of all who believe. That's the effect I'm, I'm, I'm referring to when I talk about the effectualness of the commission. We must all realize and recognize that once Jesus issued this commission, the inevitable effects could not and will not be stopped. I think we, I think we look at the commission, the great commission, as 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 being effectual or not effectual based upon what you and I do. How many of you ever, how many of you maybe have thought that way? Well, you know, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, then the Great Commission won't be as, as effectual as it should be. Well, that's certainly not true. You mean to tell me that you and I can influence or affect God's will? I don't think so. I don't believe that for a moment. Matter of fact, in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11, we read, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper the thing whereunto I sent it. Listen, your action or inaction, my action or inaction, does not change God's will. It cannot change God's will. God's will is in motion, and there's nothing, no force on earth, or in heaven, or in the universe that can, that can hinder it or stop it. And the Great Commission was given by Christ, and the eventual effects of it and the eventual results of it are, are, are unaffected by you and I. Now, by our participation in this, in this Great Commission, we certainly receive great benefits. But if we opt not to uh, participate in it, not to, uh, if we opt not to involve ourselves in the Great Commission, it's not going to hinder God's will. It's not going to change God's purpose. The people he elected to be saved are still going to be saved. Amen? 
Or, or, can you or I prevent any man from being saved? Or the opposite, by, by our action, can we cause any man to be saved? So the efforts of the Great Commission um, are set in motion by, by Christ and, and are unstoppable and unalterable. All the efforts of sinful man, all of the imaginations of his wicked heart, have attempted to thwart this Great Commission from Jesus unto his people for the past 1,980 years. But alas, it has been to no avail. For the Lord is greater than all. He reminds us of that in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4 where he says, You are God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In this we can go forth and fulfill this commission, knowing that the will of God shall be done in and through our obedience to go and preach and teach. Perhaps not today. You may, you may go out today and you may preach to, to 100 people and no one responds. And perhaps not to the one with whom you spoke. But as certain as night follows day, the preaching of the gospel will ultimately produce fruits. There's been many times I've gone out and, and, and spent a whole day out on the streets talking to people and, and witnessing to people and not, not see anything done. And in months and maybe, maybe, maybe years later, I'm in the church service and suddenly I see someone that I once spoke to and that person is getting saved. And I, I rejoice in that because you don't know when, the, when some soul may be, may be enlightened by Christ. You don't know when they will turn to him. But that's not your responsibility. It's not our job to go out and save. It's our job to go and preach. And that commission is, that, that, that command is given to every believer, no matter who you are. That's not a special, that's, the Great Commission is not a special order to the pastor of the church. It's not a great special command given to the deacons of the church. It's given to the individuals of the church, everybody. We are all commanded to be a witness, to go and preach. The preaching of the gospel will produce results. So with the time we have this morning, I'd like to look at these unalterable effects of the Great Commission. These things that Christ set in motion with the Great Commission that cannot be stopped, cannot be changed, and must be done by the people of God. Number one, the first effect is this. The elect are evangelized. The elect are evangelized. I'd like for you to turn with me to John chapter 6. So I'll go to John chapter 6 real quickly. Now, as I mentioned before, the beauty of teaching a series of lessons is if I don't get done, it's no big deal. We'll just pick it up next week where I left off. So I'm not under pressure of time like I am when I'm preaching uh, one message and I've got to get done before we leave. Let's look at John chapter 6. Now, some of you aren't, don't look too happy at that thought. That's okay. John chapter 6. We'll begin at verse 37. Look what Jesus states here. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I like that verse. I've used that verse in so winning time after time after time after time. And there's great truth in this. And this is what I was talking about just a moment ago. Nothing can prevent the will of God. If it's God's will to save a person, that person will be saved. Now, you may, if you don't participate in that, in that uh, action of witnessing, there, you lose the blessings, you lose the joy, you lose the, the, the satisfaction. But you don't, you're not going to prevent. I've had, I've had preachers over the years say, if you don't get out there, people are going to go to hell. 
I'm sorry. I didn't realize I had that kind of power. Don't, don't lay that guilt trip on me. And that's what's wrong with a lot of Christians today. They're, they're guilted by, by their leaders into believing that they need to do something that they, they don't know how to do and can't do it to begin with. They go out and you, you go out and witness. And if you don't ever see anyone saved, you get discouraged and you, you quit because you think, oh, I'm no good. I'm not good enough to do this. God won't use me. And that's what the devil wants you to believe. But it's not your job to save. It's your job to preach. It's your job to go. It's not my job this morning to make you learn anything. It's my job to preach truth. What you do with it after it leaves my mouth is your business. And, and you face the consequences for it, not me. I face the consequences of what I tell you isn't true. So we need to make sure that we, we understand this, that we're, we don't need to guilt trip ourselves into believing that if we don't win souls to Christ, we're no good. But we do need to be witnesses, amen? We do need to preach the gospel to everybody we meet and everyone we see. Verse 38, for I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. When Jesus gave the great commission, the effect, the effect of the elect being evangelized, the elect being saved, was put in motion. And nothing is going to stop that from now until the day Christ comes back. The elect will be saved. So the, the knock on, on our belief is, well, then why should you go? Well, because that's what God has chosen. That's what I've been commanded to do. I don't know, but that the next person I speak to might be an elect, one of the elect, and may be saved. I may speak to the next hundred people, and not, not a one of them are interested in what I have to say. But my job is to go. My job is to go. That's what Christ expects of me. The certainty is that every person whom God has called unto salvation will be saved. There shall not be one soul lost. And this is confirmed by the scriptures we just read. But remember this, it pleases God by the foolishness of preaching to save those that will believe. It pleases God by our preaching, by the foolishness of you and I taking our time and going out into the highways and hedges and talking to people we don't even know and handing them literature about being saved and, and speaking to them. Some people say, well, you're stupid for wasting all of your time doing that. Well, okay, call me stupid. I don't mind. Because Jesus said that foolishness is what he uses to reach his children. And that's our responsibility. That's our job, you and I. And that effect was put in motion by the Great Commission. All of Satan's hatred for God cannot prevent God's children from their appointment with salvation. I could stand here and give you testimony of my life, how, how I went through thing after thing, event after event after event, and it seemed like, Everything was in, getting in front of me to, to reach Christ. But, and, and that probably was Satan, and he probably was trying to prevent, just as there are many people out there. You know, we've got to be careful. One of the things I, I dislike about the hyper-fundamentalists is their haughtiness, their better-than-thou attitude. They, they, they know how to put the right clothes on. They know how to show up in church despite how Despite their personal habits, they show up at church and sing the songs and look so good and pretend to be so great. But in their heart, they despise the lost. Hmm? Have you ever been guilty of that? Have you ever been driving down the street, maybe, maybe see some teenager walking down the street with his pants down to here and, and, and looking all disheveled and with his, his headphone? Or, have you ever seen one of those and said to yourself, boy, look at that thing? Have you ever done that? Shame on you. 
Shame on you. Because, but for the grace of God, that would be you. We're to love these people. I feel sorry for those. I, I see those young people, my heart breaks. I feel sorry for them because they've never been taught any better. They, they don't know the truth. How about you going to them and giving them that truth? Maybe, just maybe they'll turn and receive it. Huh? You ever think of that? That's the Great Commission. The effect is that we're to, the, 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 the commission, is, the command is that we're to go to everyone we see with a broken heart and a concern for their, for their, their salvation and give them truth. We're so quick to judge. We're so fast to just, to just say, Oh, look, I'm glad. We're like, you know what we are? We're like that Pharisee in the example that Jesus gave. Lord, I'm glad I'm not as others are, even this this publican. That's how we are. And if you'll admit the truth for a moment in your heart, you'll say that yourself. That's how we are. We're so fast to look at even our brothers and sisters in the church. We're so fast to look at each other and judge. And cast judgment and, and, and give, give uh, our opinion of things. When in, really, in reality, we need to go home and look in the mirror at the face you see and say, what are you doing for the Lord? Are you being a good witness? Are you living a righteous life, a holy life, as, as much as you possibly can? That was important my message. I don't know how I got on that. All of Satan's hatred for God cannot prevent God's children from their appointment with salvation. Yes, I can go, and yes, I can preach, and yes, I can do so with the confidence that my efforts are not in vain. For the scripture tells us in Galatians 6, 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Listen, Jesus walked this earth, preached the gospel, and only 12 people ultimately followed him, and one of them deserted him. What, 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 what about you and I? I'm not sure I can count 12 people on my hands that, that, would, that, that would stand with me if, if I was facing what Jesus was facing. Can you? We're not called to be popular. We're not called to, to, to become the, the most charismatic man on the earth. We're called to preach the gospel, which is offensive, which, which men hate. We can't quit. We can't become weary. It's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy just to quit, just to say, oh. it's so easy. I, I see it all the time from preachers around this country. Just, they, they pour their heart and their soul into their work, and, and the people don't do anything. It, just, it seems like it's a wall. You can't move it. And these poor pastors finally just, I give up. I give up. You know, I don't want to be that. And as church members, you shouldn't want to be that either. I don't know how to say no to pastor. I don't, honestly. The pastor said, Brother Dalton, I need your help. Okay, I'm ready, whatever it is. Because that's why I'm here, amen? That's why you're here. We're here to do the work of this church. We're here to serve the Lord. Yeah, I'm I'm not preaching my message again. I'm I'm, going to get back over here. So, don't become weary in well-doing. Don't give up. Don't quit. Just keep at it. No matter what, keep, keep going. Jesus didn't give up. He kept going. So let us not make excuses. Let us be faithful to go. Uh, you know, you can come up with a thousand reasons not to go. But there's one reason to go, and that's because God has commanded us to go. 
knowing that our labor is not in vain. Remember, our job is not to save souls. It is to go and preach to everyone we see. But not only is there a certainty that the elect will be saved when we go, but secondly, the effect of, of the commission is this. Number two, Christ's authority is affirmed. In Matthew 28, Jesus claimed that all power is his. And if this is true, it would follow that his people will obey him. Therefore, this becomes a matter of obedience. Now, we've already established through Scripture that God's will, as proclaimed through his word, cannot be defeated. This means that since God has commissioned us to go and preach the gospel to all men, and since he has proclaimed that through this seemingly foolish act of preaching men would be saved, our obedience in this will affirm Christ's authority and sovereignty in salvation. In fact... It will give affirmation to scriptures such as John fourteen six, where Jesus saith, where we read, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's a lot of false teaching in this country today that there are many ways, many paths to Jesus, but yet Jesus says there's only one. And we must go and we must, we must affirm this truth. We must affirm his authority and salvation by our obedience unto him. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Isaiah 45, verses 22 and 23. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself. The word is going out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. In Romans fourteen eleven, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. By our obedience to the Lord, by our, by our willingness to go and preach the gospel as we've been commanded to do, we affirm the authority of God over our life. How much power and how much authority can someone have if none of his children or none of his soldiers obey him? What kind of commander would, would it be who stood up and gave an order to his, his army and his army rebelled? You wouldn't think much of that general, would you? wouldn't think much of that commander. He wouldn't wield much authority. And as God's children, when we stand in disobedience to God, what we're saying to the world is God has no authority over me. He has no power over me. I can do what I want, and he can do nothing about it. And that's what you're saying. And that's what I'm saying every time we disobey the Lord, every time we rebel against his command. When we are, when we are walking through the, the, the store and we come across someone and we begin to speak to them, God expects that we will preach the gospel to that person. You don't know, but that maybe God brought them to you for that very purpose. How hard is it to take a track out to someone like that and say, you know, I've enjoyed speaking with you. I'd like to give you this. It talks about how we're all sinners and, and, and how Jesus came to save us. That's a simple act. It doesn't take much more than that. Just speak to the people that God brings into our life. That's what he expects. And when we don't do that, what are we doing? We're disobeying him. You say, oh, that's foolish, brother Dalton. You can't, you can't, God can't expect that every single person I ever see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, gonna to talk about Jesus. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Why else, would he, why else would he leave you here? Why else would he not take you to heaven immediately upon saving you so you could be in his presence and in his joy for all eternity? Why would he leave you on this, on this wicked, sinful earth 
to suffer the, the unrighteousness of life, why would he do that unless he wanted you to witness to those around you? It's a simple thing. Now, now, don't get me wrong. God does not need our affirmation. God will glorify his name in all the earth with or without me and his authority and salvation and his authority given to his children through the Great Commission does just that. It affirms his authority for all to see to his glory and to his honor. Remember, we are to glorify God in all things and our obedience unto him does just that. And when we fail to obey him in this Great Commission, we fail to glorify him in our lives. And there is no other purpose for our lives. Your life, the purpose in your life is not to amass money. It's not to amass possessions. It's not to, it's not to have great careers. So that when we walk in a room, everybody oohs and ahs. That's not our purpose in life. That's not why we're here. We're here to glorify God. Is your life glorifying God? Because if it isn't, you're failing. I don't, care if you're, I don't care if you're the greatest politician. I don't care if you're the greatest mind in the world. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how many cars you own. I don't care how big a house you have, how much property you have. If you are not glorifying God with your life, you're failing. You're a failure. And if you, if you view life in any other mean, then you've succumbed to this world. Now, that's harsh. I'm sorry. But that's truth. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a big house. I wish I had a big house. Nothing wrong with having multiple cars. I wish I had multiple cars. Huh? I like those things. But if my life, if, if I have them without glorifying God in my life, then what good are they? What is the profit of man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What good are they? These things are no good unless we are glorifying God. Now, glorify God and have all those things. That's great. I'll, I'll let you adopt me. But we're here to glorify God. And that's the mentality we have to have. We have to put God first in our life, in all things. And everything else shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. God wants you to, listen, God does, I don't, I don't believe that God wants you to suffer needlessly. He, he'll provide you with the things he, he knows that you should have. But serve him, serve him, serve him. When we leave here today, let's start talking to everybody we see about Jesus. It'll change this whole community, I guarantee. But then the effectiveness of the commission is the salvation of the elect. It's, it's the affirmation of Christ's authority. But then thirdly, this morning, the effectualness of the commission is found in the fact that the church is codified. Now, in, in, in the word codified, by the way, it means organized. In the Great Commission, we see the, the mission of the church. It's to go and preach, it's to baptize converts, and it's to teach the disciples. That's the mission of the church. It's found in the Great Commission. If the people of God fail in the Great Commission, if we fail to be obedient in the Great Commission to God, there will be no converts to baptize. And there will be no disciples to teach. And there will be no physical and visible church in the world today. And if the effectiveness of the Great Commission was left solely to the power and authority of man, that's exactly what would happen. But it's not. Praise be to God, he has ordained and established the church upon himself. Jesus, the rock of our salvation, Matthew 16, 18, 
we read, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter upon this rock, meaning himself, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So you see, Christ has given me the certainty. The, the Great Commission gives us the certainty. It gives us the, the guarantee that there will be people saved, that the elect will be, will be saved. It gives us the guarantee that the authority of Christ, his power will be affirmed by our obedience. And it gives us the assurance that the church will be organized and the church will grow and the church will survive. I can go today. And I can preach the gospel to everyone I see. I can go with confidence today and fulfill the great commission, knowing that God will save his elect saints and knowing that he will affirm his power in all the earth and bring glory unto his name and knowing that he will establish and prosper his church throughout all generations. How many times have men tried to destroy the church? When you look back through history, time after time after time, men have attempted to wipe out God's people. They have attempted to wipe out the the truth of Christ. They have attempted to, to destroy the church. But I remind you that the church cannot be destroyed from without. That Christ has ordained the church and he has purposed it and he has established it. It is built upon him and he will preserve it unto all generations. There will be a remnant of God's people at all times upon the earth until he comes himself and until he takes them away. So we have confidence in this. I never sit around and worry about Berean Baptist Church. Not not from without. Not from outside. I worry sometimes about what the people inside are going to do to it. But I don't worry about someone from outside attacking our church because that's not going to happen. It may happen, but I'm not worried about it. God's will shall be done. And that's the attitude we have to have. We have to have confidence to know that our God is greater than all and that he will preserve us and that he will use us to his own glory and his own purpose. And we have to have the confidence to go. Now, as I've said many times, the three Hebrew children did go through the fiery furnace. Daniel did go into the lion's den. And I'm not, and I'm saying, I'm not saying we're not going to suffer persecutions or have problems. But I know this, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I know this, that I can have confidence that Jesus will never forsake me nor leave me. And no matter what happens to this physical body, my soul is preserved for all eternity in his presence. So do what you will to me. Do what you will uh, uh, in, in, in my life. But I have confidence in Christ. And I know, I know that by the Great Commission, if I go... And if I preach, that, that the effects will, will be there. So let's, let's go forth with that this morning. Praising God in Acts 2.47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. The Lord added to the church. Did you see that? We just need to be faithful. We need to be faithful to go. We need to be faithful to preach. We need to be faithful to teach. And leave the salvation and leave the growth to God. Because he will take care of that part. All right, folks i got to stop. So thank you for coming this morning. You are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, 
Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.